It's good, good to be back with you. Um, just by way of uh, introduction on this, uh, right around uh, Easter, um, I did the uh, Palm Sunday sermon. And I've been working on uh, kind of continuing that just for my own, my own benefit. And I was working with a friend of mine, uh, Walt Shepard. I've usually mentioned him. Well, you know him. Uh, he was preaching uh, on Easter, and, and so he called me up and he asked some questions. He knows I'm, I'm kind of deep diving in the Old Testament, and he was asking some questions. So we started working together, and it kind of struck me. Um, I'm being raised Lutheran. Um, any of you guys raised Lutheran? Okay. Lutheran, yeah, good. Uh, or German? I mean German. Uh, uh, sorry, German. German Lutheran, of course. I am German Lutheran by background. Um, uh, uh, Catholic at all? Catholic? Yeah, Catholic. So you understand... During the church year, we would always celebrate the great, um, the highlights of the church year. Uh, after Easter, we had uh, Ascension, 40 days after Easter. And we had all the weeks kind of between then with the church calendar. And then we had, of course, uh, Pentecost. And so I called up Sam and I said, hey, I'd kind of like to do something for uh, Ascension and, and Pentecost, which would have been... Uh, Pentecost would have, would have been, and the church calendar was last week and the week before that uh, was uh, Ascension Sunday it doesn't fall on a Sunday typically but it's, it's, it's usually on a Thursday well, it's always on a Thursday it's 10 days after um, I'm sorry 10 days before Pentecost regardless um, and I, I said well, I'd like to, to preach on those week, weekends and, and, he, and Sam said very nicely no uh, nope. <laughs> he says, Sorry, got somebody else planned, but he says, I will, uh, if you want to do that, it sounds good, I'll slot you in for um, uh, for sometime in June. Well, this kind of worked out just three weeks now. So, we're actually going to look at this whole kind of connection between the Ascension and Pentecost, but in a different way than I was even planning on. Um, we're going to look at it in three phases. And if the, we're we're going to look at the Trinity, and so I, I apologize actually for the the title for the sermon series, the work of the Trinity in establishing the church. Hopefully, it's not as dry as all that. Hopefully, it's not just a lecture. It's not just theology. This is something that, how it should really affect us as we understand the beginning of the church, how it was established, continues to work in us today, and how it's the the work the, st- the establishment of the church by every member of the Trinity working together makes it what it is today, the power and the joy, uh, the effectiveness uh, of the church in not just the worldwide, but in our own lives here and now as we deal with these things. So we're going to read uh, from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, if you'll stand for the hearing of God's word. This is um, Luke continuing his, uh, his, his story from the, uh, the book of Luke. This is his sequel. Uh, and so he begins by uh, addressing it to a, uh, a friend of his or mentor. We're not sure. Theophilus means uh, lover of God. So we're not sure if it's just an appellation, which is going you know, to to everyone who hears it or a specific, specific person. But regardless, we begin. Acts 1, 1 to 11. Let us hear the, the reading of God's word. <clears throat> In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Here ends the reading of God's word. Please be seated. And uh, Sam, thank you for praying for, for, for me and for the hearing of God's word. I won't... Um, I'm going to just go straight into the word. Um, hearing Sam, quick aside, hearing Sam talk about the uh, dilemma of not having a, a ruling elder, um, I, I wouldn't to mention that ruling elders are my heroes. Um, that you, uh, you guys appreciate the fact that you know Sam and uh, Carl have poured their lives into this this work here, as well as the other ruling elders that helped establish it. You know, pastors, we, we come and go, um, we're, we're, but ruling elders are, are the lifeblood of the church. Our job as pastors, yes, is to shepherd, yes, is to preach the word, yes, is to minister the sacraments, but not in, in, distinct from or apart from the work of the ruling elders. Um, the, the, the ruling elders are as much a part of God's plan more part of God's plan than than the, the professional pastor. So I, I want to thank you so much for all, for all you do, mm-hmm. and for giving me an opportunity to kind of share with the, the church the, the the work that that others have poured into me by helping me go to seminary and, and, and training me uh, for the preaching of God's word. So all that to say, I'm, I'm honoring your prayer, and I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to pray again for that. So thank you. So. Um, if you've noticed in here, if you, I guess I should, as, as you look at, at this as we were praying, or as we were hearing God's word, do you notice how much Jesus brings the Trinity into this, the, into, the, into the whole establishment of the church? It's not just his work. He starts with the Father, includes the Holy Spirit. So for the next three weeks, we're going to kind of follow that the, the, the theme here, Father this week, the work of the Father, the work of the Son, and work of the Holy Spirit the next week. Um, but from the major emphasis this week is the Father, and it's not an exclusive emphasis or an exclusive talk about the Father. We can't talk about the Father without talking about the Son or the Son without the Father or the Holy Spirit. The Father glorifies the Son. The Father points us to the Son. Remember, the Father said, this is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. Jesus asked the Father to glorify him. The Father says, I have glorified you, and I will glorify you again. The Son glorifies the Father. He says, you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Everything the Father has said, I tell you. He says, nothing I've said, I say on my own, only what the Father's told me. 
He says, everything I do, I do what the Father has done. I show you what the Father has done. That's a little bit of a paraphrase. But it, they're all working together. We can't separate one from the other. And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings glory to both the Father and the Son, who makes it possible for us to, to become one with the Father and Son. He gives us life. He's is issued or proceeds from the Father um, and the Son. Uh, the, the, the Nicene Creed, he proceeds from the Father and the Son. Um, and, and with the Father and Son, he's worshiped and glorified. So we can't talk about one without the other. Um, but we're going to try to, to pull some aspect of the establishment of the church out today, and that is the plan of God, the Father's plan. Um, by the way, Jesus mentions the Father in here. I really appreciate the fact that he doesn't just say, my Father. You know, he started off in his ministry and talked about his Father, but much of his ministry is talking about the Father. And he's pointing out to the fact that he isn't just Jesus' Father, he's all of our Father. All who are called by his name, who've been called into his family, who've been adopted into his family. He is much our father as he's Jesus' father. That's the amazing thing about this. This life in Christ, adoption as God's children, we have every right and privilege that was given to God. We have every worth of, I'm sorry, every right and privilege that was given to his son Jesus. We have every worth of his. We have every status of his to come before the Father. It's the most amazing thing. And also, we are as much in God's plan as Christ was. It has been difficult um, for the last few um, months to, to be facing the fact we were looking to be kind of homeless. We've never been really truly homeless, but we were without a home. Our, the place we're living now uh, was, is being sold and... Um, my, we were renting there, and my wife and I and a daughter, uh, my only daughter, and then my, our youngest son, who are still at home. Um, and they're, they're grown, but we had to find a place for us. And then, of course, my mother, too, uh, who are now starting to take care of. I took care of her a lot last year at her home in Emmett, and now she's going to be staying with us. So trying to find a home that, that was big enough for all of us, that was uh, uh, wheelchair accessible. She walked with a walker. Um, ground floor, I mean, that, those were difficult as it is, but then we found out the realities of life in Southern California in the real estate market. Uh, we found out that we were, um, had been priced totally out of the market. We were trying to roll some of my mother's money from her last house into to, uh, a new home, into a condo or something, got immediately priced out. Prices went up 10% in the month that we were looking. We got immediately priced out, plus they'd been rising. Um, and then, and even then, we were facing uh, 12 to 20 different uh, people bidding on the same home. Then we started looking at rentals and found out we were facing uh, the fact that we were, it was almost out of our budget, but even then, there were 60 to 100 uh, applicants for every place we looked at. Um, and well-qualified applicants were many of them. We thought we were kind of a shoo-in because we, you know, because we had the, the right uh, qualifications or we, we didn't have any foreclosures or anything, but we weren't. And so about a month ago, we were, I was just totally distraught. Um, I, was, I was really, I, was to, I don't think I've been this low in, in quite a long time. Facing it as, as kind of the father and the responsibility and then seeing my son who'd been offered a job a year ago still hasn't um, 
been on board in that job and it was looking that they were going dark on him and he was supposed to be moving out and starting a new life as an engineer and, and just things were all kind of crashing down it seemed like and my wife just said something simple isn't it great to be in God's plan no matter what we're facing to be in God's plan my daughter independently came home one day and said you know Tim Keller has been going through pancreatic cancer and she was reading a book by him and he said better to be better to have cancer and be in God's plan than to be healthy and to be out of God's plan. And it just put all in perspective for me. And it's at the same time I was looking at this passage, beginning to look at this passage, and seeing what Jesus is talking about, the plan of God. And the key for us here is in verses 6 through 8. As Now it says when they come together, talking, this is where Jesus is going to ascend to heaven. So they've been together 40 days um, after the resurrection. Jesus now is coming, uh, bringing them to, together uh, on a hillside. Uh, we find out from Matthew, they, 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 they gather them together before he goes up. And, and it's kind of his final teaching. And they, they ask him, they're, they're really concerned about the, the Father's plan. In, in, in their minds, the plan was the kingdom restored to Israel. And Jesus' answer points to several things about the plan. And they said, Lord, will you this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to him, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by an authority. Right there, that tells us there's something special about this plan. It's not a general plan. It's not a, gee, I hope this works out. He has times and seasons fixed on this plan. There's markers on there that he has planned all along. There's nothing that is without a, a definite time and place. This is how, by the way, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, we call them the wise men, the magi, came into Jerusalem at the time they did. They understood from reading the scriptures, they were from Babylonia, uh, from Babylon, uh, they were, uh, we call them wise men, they, kind of, they were kind of astrologers, but in, in a good way. Um, they, they looked at the stars, they, they just assumed God had been working the stars, but they also they searched deep into the scriptures because of the influence of the Jews that had been in, in, in Babylon and still were there uh, the, from the dispersion, the diaspora. Um, these were most likely God-fearing um, men uh, and, and, and women and all the people that, that uh, joined them. But they looked in the scriptures and they knew from the writings of Daniel that there were certain time set, there was a certain numbers of, of weeks in Daniel, actually years, periods of years, that led up to the time of the Savior. And the Savior. And so they knew the time was right. And they saw a, a sign in, in the heavens and followed that sign. Um, the amazing thing about the, those, those uh, promises in Daniel are that those, the, 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 the timeline that uh, the uh, angel gives in Daniel leads us to the very week of Jesus' um, Crucifixion. There's there's nothing that has escaped God's plan and wasn't planned by God in the first place. And that should tell us something. You think about what God had to do to get that plan into motion, to get that plan to get Jesus born at the time He did, to get Jesus crucified at the time He did, to get Israel where it was at the time He did, to raise up Rome to to where they were, so that that the the, the Roman Empire could be what it was and, and how it benefited the church, as bad as it was, it benefited the church 
in so many ways, there's no time to go into that now, but just the fact that, the, the, that there was a, the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome, uh, that allowed the, the, uh, uh, Israel to, to uh, flourish as a, a nation, at least for a while, and allow this, the Savior to, to be born, and allow the church to spread. All of these things had to happen by way of individual lives. Everything had to, 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 be, to be, every life that was lived between the time of creation and the time of, of Christ had to be under God's plan for all this to work out. And we see, we see God's plan unfolding um, throughout the scriptures. Just real quickly, I want to point out, and I'm sorry, I forgot to look at the time when I started. What do I got, about 20 minutes left, if that much? Wow. Let me sure. send something to the kids. Sure. Normally we have the kids. Carl's always telling me, half an hour, half an hour. So <laughs> and I apologize because I'm not a half an hour kind of guy. And I, and I, I was going to start my watch when I started here, my nice new Apple watch, and I forgot to set my timer. So um, somebody do some buzzing noises in about 15 minutes for me so I don't have to have my watch do it. Um, uh, the, the, there's some passage I have in, in your... Um, in that, that outline to you. Um, well, I should have pointed out the, um, the um, maybe look at Acts 2.23, kind of what we're talking about. Um, Peter, on the day of, of uh, Pentecost, in the great sermon, and we'll, won't look at this so much, but we'll look at other parts of, the, of it later, but he says to the people in Jerusalem who had gathered together to hear them, uh, them speak in these in, in amazing tongues, and he delivers this great sermon. And he's talking to those who had actually crucified Jesus, to the, to the very people that were there, that were either witnesses to his crucifixion, or, or more likely called for his crucifixion, crucify him, crucify him, and said, give us Barabbas instead of Jesus. He says this is something amazing. He said, this Jesus, next 2.23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Right there we have both. We have the, 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 the what does he say, the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. The, the foreknowledge of God in Scripture is not the foreknowledge of men. When the Scripture talks about man's foreknowledge, it's talking about what we kind of, we, we, we kind of look down the road and we kind of have an idea of something's going to happen. But when it's spoken of God, it's always about a, his plan. It's, it's equivalent to his, his um, we, election, you might say. His, um, it's not him looking down the quarters of time and seeing what's going to happen. It's a plan that he has set in motion. He foreknows it because it was his plan. Jesus, by the way, um, back to our passage in verse 7 and Acts 1, he said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. That's loaded. <clears throat> his own authority. There's no other authority. There's no higher authority. He doesn't answer to anyone. It, by his sole authority, this is his plan. Now we know it was in conjunction with the, the Son and the Holy Spirit. They, they all work together. They're all agreeable. But really, it's the Father's plan. Everything that flows out of this. Jesus is going to say, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. He said that, I'm sorry, in, in John. He says, but he says, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit to you. And earlier we read today, he said in verse um, 5, um, I'm sorry, verse 4, he says, to you are to wait for the promise of the Father, which you heard from me. So the 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 even though he requested it, it's the promise of the Father. It's the part of the plan of the Father. Everything Jesus did, 
did was according to the Father's plan. And he understood that, and he wants us to understand that. Um, but the, this plan, what is, where is this plan? Is it just about Israel? Is, is that really what we're looking at here? Is that where the, where the, um, were the disciples or the apostles at this point, were they right to, to look towards the establishment of Israel? What helps to go back and, and see how this plan unfolded? The plan we're talking about is the plan of redemption in Christ Jesus. Sam um, mentioned that. This, it's, it's the unfolding of, of God's plan for the world in Jesus Christ. And we start with Genesis 3.15, where in the curse to the serpent, we find a promise to the world. It wasn't recognized that as such by them to begin with, but we see this as we read back in, from Scripture back into this, we understand that this was God's promise to us in his curse to the God of this world. He's saying to the God of this world, I'm going to curse you, and in cursing you, I'm going to break the relationship that you've established with man and, and, and woman, between Adam and Eve. I'm going to break that, and I'm going to do it in a way that can only be done by me providing him, God providing a savior for the world. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Uh, some translations have, um, um, he will crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. The kind of same kind of idea that, that even though the Savior is going to, the, the champion of the Lord, the Savior is going to be hurt and, and maybe even to death, um, he's not going to be crushed, but the serpent is going to be crushed. He's going to be decimated by this. And this plan is, is expanded. Um, we see it, that promise to the world um, coming in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, through 3, the promise to Abraham. And the Lord said to Abraham, now he takes this, this guy, this, there's no Israel here yet. There's no even thought of Israel. He takes this, the guy who's, who comes from a, a, fa- a family of moon worshipers um, in an uh, in, in area near Babylon and, and south of that in, in Mesopotamia. Um, and he, he calls him. They actually weren't, they weren't Muslim worshippers. They were God-fearers. They were part of the line of faith that God had kept for himself. And he calls this one man out and his family, and he said to him, Abram, <clears throat> his name will become Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Yes, it is about the establishment of the nation of Israel. This is, it's, the, the Old Testament really is about how God created Israel as he created the, the, in the same way he created the world and created a nation for himself, a people for himself, but it was never meant to be just this people. Even this promise to Abraham, it was always meant to be far more than that. It was to include you and me and every nation on earth. All nations of the earth would be blessed. Of course, the promise then does get narrowed down to Israel. Not the general promise, but the, really it's going to be the promise of a Savior, a promise of a people that, that God is going to keep for himself through which his Savior is to come. The, uh, and by the way, the, the great thing about this is he, this, this nation records the great and mighty deeds of God. It records the promises of God. It records the prophecies of God. So by the time Jesus comes, who is from the line of, of Adam and Eve, who 
is from the line of, of Abraham, who's from the, the line of Israel. He, there is a record of what God has promised through him to, to confirm to all of us with great confidence that Jesus is the one that was to come at the right time. He wasn't just one of the other guys showing up at the time where Jesus was, but there were something like 40 people walking around, 40 guys. It's always guys, isn't it? Walking around, promising that they were the Savior, proclaiming to be the Savior, because they understood, a lot of people understood that this was about the time that the Savior was promised. So how do you distinguish Jesus from all these others? Well, he's the only one to fulfill all these promises. He's the only one that was from the line of David, um, and, and from the house of David, and, and from, from the, 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 that lineage that was promised. From, he was the only one that fulfilled all these things that were, were promised of the Savior. But Israel, so Israel's promised to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, Exodus 19, uh, a, a treasure possession. And then when the promise is, except, is narrowed down even more, but it, the promise is really narrowed down to a person, or it begins to be narrowed down to a person. And in, in 2 Samuel 7, 12 to 16, um, the promise comes to David. He is asked to to God for the privilege of building the um, uh, the temple for the Lord, and the Lord says, "No, you're not." In paraphrase now, not, you're not going to be the one to do it because you're a man of war, a person of war. His his purpose was to conquer God's enemies and establish peace in the land, but God wanted a man of peace, um, whose name is Solomon, whose name Shalom means peace. He would be the one to build the temple because it was supposed to be a place of peace, a place of peace between man and God. It wasn't supposed to be built on the on the shoulders of, of a, a warrior. It's supposed to be built on the on the shoulders of a man of peace. Um, and it says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And your throne shall be established forever. And then if this kingship is developed, and we find that this king in in, the, in this kingship will be one that comes, and in him all the promises of God are wrapped up. He is called the servant of the Lord in Isaiah. He is the one. He is, God calls him Israel. He is the, not just the embodiment of Israel, but he's the embodiment of all God's promises. And he is the one through whom God will deliver the promises to the world. And that's where we stand when, when Jesus says, um, that, that uh, or when, sorry, when the apostles asked, you are at this time to restore the kingdom of Israel. They had thought that this king was to, to his purpose was to bring peace to the nation of Israel. But there's something more going on here. By the way, um, if I could do this real quickly, you know, I was raised Lutheran, I ended up going to kind of non-denominational church and kind of fell into the, the mindset back in the mid-70s particularly, uh, it still continues today, uh, that that this whole thing of, of God is about Israel. Everybody is just waiting for the establishment of the, the, the church of Israel. The, I'm sorry, the people of Israel the, um, to come back into their own people. And... Uh, I end up going to a seminary that that's what their whole focus was, um, and and I would um, 
I, I was kind of amazed at, at, at when I went there, it was kind of foreign to me to, to hear how much emphasis there was on, on Israel. And I kind of raised questions, well, is there some of my fellow uh, 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 classmates and uh, other professors and all, and I, I would say, I thought this was about the church. What, why is this about Israel? Um, and they, they point to this passage, and they say, look at what he says here. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And, and they said, when he, and they said, notice that Jesus does, doesn't say, now is not the time. I mean, I'm sorry. Jesus doesn't say, you're wrong in thinking about this is about Israel. He, he just says, now is not the time for you to know. And I said, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. So it was basically deflection. Jesus was deflecting at the time. It's not, you know, what, this will come about later on. And the way they explained it to me what, was that, that she, the, the nation of Israel had rejected Jesus. Um, so God's plan for Israel was not going to be in effect. They were kind of on, a, on hold, kind of a parenthesis. We're going to do something with the church for now. Plan B, and then we'll come back to plan A in the future. I can struggle with this, um, and, but I kind of kind of bought into it. Um, and then I came out here and going to Westminster Seminary, where Sam's been going. And there was one of my professors brought this this up, and he said, "It was like one of my first weeks there. It was so enlightening." He said, "What Jesus does here is is not what you think he does. He does answer the question, and in his answer is in the second part of that." He said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons, um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. He said, that phrase, the end of the earth, is a direct quote from Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. And I've got that in your, your outline. <clears throat> he's, he's telling them, this is, by the way, this is not a deflection, it's a correction. In Isaiah 49... The, the God has been talking to the Father, we call the Father. God has been talking to the servant. He's, this is a, a prophecy to the servant. The, his, Israel, his servant, he's chosen. This is the Messiah to come. And he says, I'm going to send you to restore Israel back to me. Because Israel had gone off and, and wandered away from God and rejected God and, and, and worshipped false idols uh, instead of God. And, and his job, the, the great Messiah's job, was to bring back Israel to God. His name was going to be called Jesus, as we find out, which means the Savior, the one who saves his people from their sins, and another great promise. But it was something greater than just Israel. Look at Isaiah 49. Um, let me uh, see 49. I'm just going to read the, the last verse. He said, "The Lord says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles." that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Jesus was quoting this passage. Jesus was doing what, what he always did. He, 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 he spoke from the Old Testament all the time. He referred to the Old Testament all the time. His Bible was the Old Testament. The people's Bible was the Old Testament. The apostles' Bible was the Old Testament. He's drawing them back to, to this to show them what the plan of God truly is. It's not just about Israel. It's not the kingdom of Israel. It, yes, it's not for them to know the, the times or seasons. By the way, what he's saying there is basically what, what God says in Isaiah, what Jesus said through the, 
because it's his word in Isaiah. He says, my thoughts, Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. The heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and your thoughts higher than, uh, 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 higher than your thoughts, my way, higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Sorry about that. I learned that in a different, a, a different version, and uh, I've lost it. Um, the main thing here is that this plan is not just a small plan. It's, it's not. It's too small a thing. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> it's too small a thing to restore Israel. It's too small a thing. We got to remember that God's plan is a huge thing. It's too small a thing to think it's about, it's about Israel. It's too small a thing to think it's just about us. Too often we look at the, the, the scriptures as a, a collection of nice sayings and things we should do. It's, it's a collection of nice Bible stories, as we, we saw in that um, quote from um, uh, Ed Clowney at the beginning in our reflection. It's too small a thing to think it's just about our us and our lives. But in the same sense, it's too small a thing to think that it's not about us. Everything we do, every aspect of our lives, is part of the plan of God. The plan of God didn't stop with the Messiah. It didn't stop with the founding of the church. It continues here and now. Every moment of every day has been planned by God in our lives. Every breath we take is, is because of the plan of God. Um, I don't have it in your outline, but in Acts 16, I think 48, um, Jesus um, uh, talks, or sorry, Paul, I'm sorry, Paul says, talks to the Athenians, he says, in him we live and move and have our, brain, our being. He says he has determined the boundaries of our habitations and the times of our lives. The exact moment you were born or conceived, the, 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 the exact moment you're going to die is in the plan of God. Nothing escapes it. So everything you go through, every trial we go through, every difficulty we go through, every success we have is all part of God's plan. It's hard to, to, to admit that so, someone with cancer, someone with Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's? Parkinson's, oh, or 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 someone that's homeless, or or, or someone financial difficulties, is all part of God's plan. But it is because God's glory comes through those difficulties. He shows Himself as Savior. He shows Himself as Redeemer. He shows Himself as the, as the Giver of life, as our salvation, and as our um, our our, our, um, our provider. Um, Yahweh Yira, uh, Lord, is, Lord our provider. So this is all about the Father's plan. That's how we take comfort in the lives that we live today. As we look at, at passages like this, and Jesus' confidence that this is all in the plan of God, and even His work was subject to the plan of God. N nothing He did was, was, was apart from what God told Him to do. The Father told Him to do. Nothing He did or said was apart from what God said He should do. Everything is part of God's plan for him. And, and so this promise to the Messiah is now expanded not just to Israel, I mean, to, to Israel from the Messiah, but to the entire world. And so we see in 1 Peter 2, um, 9 and 10, um, 
Peter, the one who gave that great sermon on the day of Pentecost, um, writes to the, the church abroad, and he says to all of us, he takes these promises to Israel and expands it out to show that we are tr- the true Israel of God. We are the true people of God. Because Jesus is the true Israel. It's not because we are of the nation of Israel, but because we are in Christ, who is the true Israel. Who's the, who's, we're, all the promises of Israel, all the purposes of Israel, we're all in him. Now, all the promises for Israel and purposes of Israel are ours as well. And he says, you, God's people, you, the church, are chosen race, race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. One last thing to, 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 to look at, uh, the angels that appeared as they looked up into heaven, we'll discuss that a little bit later um, in, in another one of the sermons, because they have to do with Jesus, but they also have to do with the Father. Um, think about real quick, um, where we've seen angels recently, not we here, but in the story of right before the ascension. Where have we seen the story of the life of Jesus? Where have we seen angels? This is the resurrection. What's that? At the tomb, the resurrection. Two angels, by the way, dressed in white. Um, and, and that, uh, in uh, Luke, uh, he describes them the same way. So we think they're the same angels. But think about where else do we hear angels in the life of Christ? In the garden. Um, well, definitely ministering to him when he was um, uh, in the wilderness, right? Right? Um, we have to assume that they were nearby. In, 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 in the garden because God he said he's going to give his angels charge over him to keep him in all his ways we see angels that, that, that's, the, that's the point really is that wherever Jesus is angels are so we're going to, to, to look at that um, it's no accident that they just show up here it's no accident they show up when he's uh, to announce his, con- his conception there's no accident they, they, they show up at his birth the heavens can't contain themselves. They're ripped open, and, 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 the, and the heavens are filled with thousands upon thousands of angels glorifying God. Um, but the first time we see angels related to Christ is when the angel comes to Zechariah to announce to Zechariah the birth of the, the miraculous birth of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who's going to be the last of the Old Covenant uh, prophets. Not Old Testament, because it's part of the New Testament. One of the last of the Old Covenant promises. He's going to be like the Old Testament co- prom- uh, 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 prophets. Thank you. He's going to usher in the 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 Savior, the the, the Messiah. And the, he comes to Zechariah, and Zechariah doesn't believe him because Zechariah is old. He's beyond uh, uh, age-bearing years. I'm sorry, twice beyond age-bearing years. He's beyond you know the other part of age-bearing years, um, um, uh, child-bearing years. And he, 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 does, he does believe, he says, how can this be? When he makes this great announcement that, that this, this, one, this, son's, this one's going to come. In fact, um, I was going to read a little bit more of that. But anyway, he says this. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Behold, you will be silent and able to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Even the angels testify that there's a plan of God with a particular time. We find that in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the angels longed to look. They knew there was a plan, and they longed to see how this was going to come out. 
they're still longing to see this. They're still looking in wonder and awe at what is God is going on in our lives. Our question isn't, when is God going to do these things for us? What's well, not for us to know the times or seasons in God's plan? But uh, what we're to have confidence is if there is a plan, He's carrying us through this. And it is it is our job to look at the results of that plan and rejoice in it. I wasn't going to say this, but I will. Because um, it's not about me. But the most amazing thing happened. The house we are losing... Um, that our home that we're losing for the last five years is the very house that, that we're buying. We'd never expected, never in a million years. It, it's my sister's house. She was planning to, she wanted to move to Florida, way out of our budget, just impossible. But it's a perfect house for my mom. It's, she's already there, set up for her. And it's got all the things that can we need, all the work that I've done in the last five years to, to fix the place up. God made it possible for us to buy that house. It just, and I'm overwhelmed. We don't deserve it. My wife has always said, hey, look, if we have to end up living under a freeway bridge at some point in our van, and that's what God wants us to do, uh, we'll be happy. Yet he's provided above and beyond anything we could hope or imagine. And so I'm taking my own counsel. <laughs> We're to talk about the successes, uh, uh, God's plan in our life, the things we see that works out that we never thought of. But to point not to us, but to Him. Uh, this is something I couldn't have planned. I couldn't even imagine. I mean, that's what God does, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it he, he, he loves to do all beyond that we could hope or imagine, according to the power that works within us um, and, and in Jesus Christ. Let's, uh, let's, let's pray and, and continue to celebrate the Father's plan um, in Christ Jesus and his love for us in that plan. Heavenly Father, we do thank you um, that that nothing escapes your plan. Um, nothing escapes your sight because it doesn't escape your plan. Uh, we can have great confidence that that all we're going through is, you don't react to it. You've planned for it. You've put us here. You've equipped us for this. And not in of ourselves. There's nothing that, that we have that could possibly um, prepare us for the lives that we live and the, the struggles we face and the, uh, the things that our friends and families face. But you've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us your, uh, your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives in us by your Holy Spirit and, and, the, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to know your word, to understand your word, to take comfort in your word, to learn from it, to apply it to our lives. And you've given us not only your Son, your Holy Spirit, and your word, but you've given us each other. You've given us these, these people that, that just provide on your behalf in ways that we never would think possible. Uh, so I thank you for all the prayers of, of the people here that have, that have especially Sam, have known about our situation and prayed for us. And uh, uh, thank you on, on behalf of the people here for all the pr answered prayers that have come and, and the, um, from the prayers and from the work of the people um, that are part of this congregation. We ask that you continue to show us your plan as it unfolds, but also show us that we don't need to, to worry or be concerned too much about times or epics, when things are going to happen. 
fact they don't happen according to our timetable, that, that shouldn't matter, Lord, because it's all happening according to your timetable and according to your glory and the glory of your Son and the glory of your Holy Spirit. And it's in the trying God's name we pray on behalf of your, your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.